Good morning. Good morning. All right, all right. All right. I'm excited. Uh, we're continuing uh, this series in Ephesians um, that Clara started last week, entitled "Living in His in God's Design." And my hope this morning is that you will discover um, some truth about His design for you this morning. So uh, I'm Juan. I'm with the Four Sunday Ministry Team. Um, I am excited to to be up here to to do the the teaching this morning. Um, and we're going to be looking at the uh, second chapter in Ephesians. We talk, touched on chapter, Claire touched on chapter one last time. We're on the first ten verses of chapter two. And, and uh, uh, this is a letter that Paul wrote uh, to the Ephesians while he was in prison. So you can imagine the context of him in, in, in a Roman dungeon uh, uh, writing what we're going to be uh, learning about today. Um, and I wanted to touch on one of the verses from last week. And it's in chapter 1, verse 16. I don't have a slide for it yet, but um, I have not stopped thanking God for you. This is Paul speaking. Um, I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he has called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Uh, And and wisdom in in that verse is the ability to discern what is true and right. In fact, we learn that it's a uh, precious gift from God. In in James chapter 1, verse 5, we learn that... um, uh, we, God says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives uh, to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given uh, to him. And I'd like to pray for, uh, pray for that for you this morning. So uh, if you join me. Heavenly Father, I would just ask as, uh, as we learn about the truth of your design for, for um, your body, Lord, I would just pray this morning that you would give uh, wisdom uh, to us now, Lord, you freely give it generously uh, as a gift, and I would pray, Lord, that our hearts would would uh, be receptive to what you have for us this morning. Uh, in your name, Amen. So, God encourages us. Uh, God encourages us to ask Him questions, but but we struggle with this, don't we? There are questions that maybe we're afraid, guilty, too guilty to ask. Such as, am I, am I really saved? Is it something that you feel or that you do? Uh, do God, do you really love me? Are you there? What's, what's my purpose? What's, you know, wh- why am I even here? And in these ten verses that we're going to be covering today, Paul is about to lay a foundation okay, for the believer. And I want to explore this topic of salvation. Because if I could sum up the verses into a sentence that would encapsulate everything is that salvation is realized through the past, the present, and the future of the believer. So, uh, so we're going to talk about, the, we're going to begin with the past of the believer. This is, this is our, um, uh, how we are before. And, if, and we start with Ephesians verse, chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead in this passage is the Greek nekros, which translates to mean a, a literal corpse. 
and you know, Paul is talking about our spiritual state here uh, and not a physical one. And so what he's communicating to the Jews and the Gentiles is that um, they have a spiritual life that is dead. Uh, go ahead and... and uh, wanted to show uh, China's population today is about 1.3 billion. And it's undergoing a massive property boom. Uh, uh, they're, they're building. And, and in fact, if you can see there, there's the, the region of Ordos, China, up there. And it sits on one-sixth of, the, of the, uh, China's coal reserves. Uh, and in 2005, the local municipality there poured hundreds of millions of dollars into the Kangbashi project which was to become a city that was going to accommodate a million people. Um, stretching over about 355 kilometers, it's a little smaller than the city of Dallas. And some of the features include, for example, a stadium that can sit over 35,000 people. Um, and uh, the Ordos 100 project, which is they asked 100 architects, hey, from around the world, we want you to design a villa of about 1,000 square feet to build in this special village. Uh, so the, the, you had all kinds of weird, crazy architectural designs that they wanted to go through. And uh, a futuristic state-of-the-art airport, uh, the Irodusi Airport in, in, in Ordos. And the funny thing is that today it has a nickname, the Ghost City of China. You see, they miss deadlines, unpaid loans, high housing costs, that contributed to people, investors pulling out of the project. And so entire streets and buildings are completely vacant. There's, there's, nothing, there's, there's no people there. A city built for a population of one million people that is practically deserted. Uh, and there are actually several cities like that in China today. So what does this have to do with, uh, with, with what Paul's talking about? Well, our bodies are spiritually dead. Like those impressive buildings that you saw they're, uh, uh, they are empty. There's a reason why Paul used the illustration of a corpse. It's incapable of bringing life into itself, just like those buildings cannot bring, put people in them. So, uh, so Paul goes on to explain why it is that we are spiritual corpses. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, uh, verses 2 and 3, in which you were formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Paul is illustrating here that during this age of the unbeliever, it's one of spiritual death, and that, uh, and that the lost are the sons of disobedience. And Satan, the father of that disobedience, is the prince of the power of the air. And what he's saying here is that he, he's been given authority, although it's limited because he's a prince, not a king. And, uh, and, we, are, and we have our nature and desires bent on sin. But I wanted to focus in on, on a part of this verse at, towards the end. It's this thing of children of wrath. What is what is the wrath that we're talking about? What, why are, how are we children of wrath? Well, you could almost phrase it the wrath of the, uh, the, ch- uh, the children of the wrath of God. See, God hates sin. He cannot have it in his presence at all. Uh, 
Oops. Uh, we are we are uh, we are guilty. Um, whoever believes in the, uh, in, in John uh, chapter three verse thirty six, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God for God's wrath remains on them. Culturally, we have been uh, led to believe that if you don't have Christ as your Savior, you're going to go to hell. And that's true, but it's not entirely accurate because. If you reject Jesus, uh, if you reject Jesus, it, in the verse it says God's wrath will remain on you, which implies that it's already there. It's like a cloud that's hanging over you. And have you thought about what that wrath looks like? By by nature, we are addicted to sin. If you think about an addict who's who keeps going back to what he knows is destroying him, he does this because the power of that addiction is stronger than his desire to be free. And hell is an eternity addicted to sin. In the company of those who share uh, that same addiction, caught forever in that ongoing destruction. And have you considered that that's what Christ has saved you from? And if you think about that as God's wrath, do you, what do you think about when you, uh, when you have your neighbor or your colleague uh, at, uh, at work and that they're going to endure the wrath of God? My hope is that it will spark some compassion for them, that you will want to pray for them, that you will look to God for their salvation, because they're marked men and women. Uh, they're, they're, uh, um, you know, this wrath is, is, is coming. So, if you've ever, so it's, um, uh, so we want to be able to pray for them. Have you ever really thought what it meant uh, to, for the for the Son of God to endure this wrath on the cross? He took all of that. On him, some questions to consider to ask him uh, 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 when you when when you have that time to, to speak with God. So Paul has shown now where we've come from, that our past, uh, and and he's going to now talk about this transformation as we come into the present of the believer. What what uh, what he provided on the cross. So in Ephesians chapter two, verse four through six, but God being rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions in the past, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him uh, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, if we don't understand the gravity of the truth of God's wrath, what we're doing is undermining the knowledge of what is God's love. Uh, Tim Keller, uh, the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church, uh, uh, puts it uh, has a helpful illustration for what this means. So if you reject the doctrine of God's wrath, don't ever expect to grasp the love of God. You're living at the level of sentimentality. But when you grasp this truth of the divine wrath, you will begin to see the extent of the divine love. Your eyes will open to what has been happening at the what was happening at the cross and how this was an outpouring of God's love for you. This truth of the divine wrath tells you what you are saved from, and it tells you what it took to be saved. And when you view the divine wrath poured out on the divine person at the cross, God absorbing all of this wrath of, uh, of God, you will know that God loves you. And you will begin to say with awe and with trembling, the Son of God endured this to redeem me. I am truly loved. Grasp this, and your soul will begin to sing. Love so amazing, so divine, shall my soul, my life, my all. 
Maybe you thought that that, uh, God's wrath shows how much God hates you. But can you begin to look at it through through the, the, the lens of the cross, that it might show how much that he loves you? Maybe this truth that caused you to hate God and fight against him, uh, could today, uh, through this cross, this truth might be able to bring you to love uh, for him uh, for the first time uh, so that you can see that God, how much God really loves you. Paul shows that God has provided a way for us to leave our past behind and to revive our spirit now. There is now life in, in the spirit. That corpse is now alive. And now it's purpose, it's future is to advance the kingdom. And so now we're going to go into the future of the believer where, uh, and, and uh, we go into Ephesians 2, verses 7 and 8. So in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing richness of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. There is nothing that we can do. God's grace is a gift that only needs acceptance. Um, in his book, Greatest Leaders, um, Dr. Uh, David Anthony Forrester tells about um, the life of Clara Barton. She was the one that founded the American Red Cross, and that organization is synonymous with relief efforts and conflicts around the world today. Um, and in the battlefields of Cuba during the uh, Spanish-American War, Clara Barton, along with the Red Cross, they went to go and provide medical care. Now, she would encounter resistance from the Army medical personnel because they opposed the presence of female nurses in military hospitals. She noted in her diary that all seemed interested in the Red Cross, but none thought that a woman nurse would be in place in a soldier's hospital. On a battlefield in Simony, Cuba, she was dismayed to find wounded men with high fevers, on the coarse grass, no blankets under them. Uh, uh, and in her memoir, she related an incident where a young U.S. Army officer who was forbidden to ask for aid from the Red Cross uh, uh, in adherence with, their, with, their, uh, with the U.S. Army policy at the time approached her to purchase some badly needed supplies for his men. Clara replied to him she would not sell him the supplies. Even if he offered a million dollars, he asked in desperation what he could do to get them, and she replied, just ask. And with that, the officer gathered the supplies, he put them into a bulging sack, threw it over his shoulders, and he went back to his troops in the jungle. That young officer was Theodore Roosevelt, and he would go on to be the next president, the, the next, uh, uh, soon to be elected the president of the United States. Christ has already paid the price for our sins. The only thing we have to do is to ask him. So, uh, in, uh, we, the, Paul then leads into Ephesians 2, verses 9, not, a result, uh, uh, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Do you, you ever ask yourself the question or hear people ask you, I, I feel like I'm not good enough, or maybe... Deep in my heart, my faith may not be true. Is there a way to know that I, if I'm saved or not? Is it, is it normal to feel unsure? And this is actually an area where I have struggled with on and off throughout my life. Um, culturally, we're taught you have to earn things through hard work and dedication. We lose weight. We work out. Uh, we study. Uh, 
in, in fact, at one, uh, one of my work, uh, a place that I worked there, uh, uh, doing a, an office pool for, for weight loss, where people are getting on the scales and trying to compete to see who can lose the most. Um, and if you put, simply put, if you put the effort in, you get the results. So this idea that salvation can be so uh, simply received by confession can cause us later to doubt, you know, are we really saved uh, or not? And, and Paul's going to go into the next verse to explain, you know, that there's going to be maybe there's going to be uh, evidence of change. But I wanted to offer some of you encouragement this morning that have struggled with this like I have. Salvation doesn't mean that we no longer have a sin nature. We, we're never good enough to merit redemption. And remember that the enemy has power over this world. And he delights in causing doubt in our hearts and to have us second-guess ourselves. We just saw in the last verse that faith is a gift from God. It doesn't depend on the strength of your resolve or your determination. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. The lost aren't troubled by thoughts or worries of not having salvation in Christ because they're unfamiliar with God's grace and, they don't, they, and therefore they can't know what they don't have. In a sense, those who have come to know the grace of God will worry over the prospect of not having it. And these concerns can testify uh, to you the relationship with Christ. And so for us to, to be mature in our walk of faith, we need to move beyond these doubts and these questions and take hold of our salvation and continue growing in our understanding of God. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus uh, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk with him. Um, God considers you his masterpiece. Uh, Michelangelo uh, said, the sculptor arrives uh, at his end by taking away what is superfluous. The painter produces uh, his by adding the materials. As a master craftsman of your life, he wants to add and take away the things so that he can reveal through you his glory and do the good works through you. Uh, and what are these uh, uh, good works for which we are created? Uh, the theologian Charles Spurgeon said, uh, summed them up into to four areas. Works of obedience, works of love, works of faith, and acts of common life. Um, the, uh, uh, what he meant by these areas is for the um, works of love, or works of obedience, it means obeying the commands of Scripture, uh, uh, and, and following God's law. In the works of love, it includes both love for God and love for our fellow man. Uh, for the works of faith, it refers to all that we do in reliance upon God and his promises. And acts of the common life, he meant whatever we do at home, at work, when we travel, um, when we're, uh, we're, on, a sick, when we're, at a, uh, when we're uh, on a sick bed, that we do all for the glory of God. In other words, the entire bent of our lives uh, after we have been saved by God's grace should be lived with a Godward focus to please him. So God prepared these works, and so we should be seeking, for, to, seeking God for what he wants us to do. And it's not unnatural for us to be told uh, in, in today's culture to dream your own big dreams and that God will help you succeed in whatever you want to do. And, 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 but the problem with this is it puts the control of our lives in our hands. And, and God merely becomes the helper 
uh, 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 to achieve our goals. And that's completely backwards. We should never engage in any service uh, uh, for the Lord without first waiting on him and, and ask him, what is it that he wants to do through us? Uh, so uh, so I wanted to kind of end and, and, and put this together. So, so Paul is, has, has uh, uh, been trying to, to lay this foundation for the believer. And we saw that, that we had a past uh, we're, we're addicted to sin. We, 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 we have no hope. We're marked for, for death. And he's provided a way through his son for us to be redeemed, uh, to give us life again, uh, and to be restored. And that from there, he has a purpose for you. He wants to do these work, his good works through you uh, to advance the, the, the kingdom. And so I, as, we, as uh, we continue this series of living in God's design, I want you to know that God uh, wants you to have spiritual life again, uh, uh, to have spiritual life and to know that he's alive. And he's designed that purpose, uh, he's designed for you a purpose, and he's waiting for you. Uh, if I could have the, the, the ministry folks uh, come up here, please. Um, I, the, I, these people are here uh, to minister and pray with you. And I wanted to ask, if you haven't accepted Christ, uh, you don't have to prepare None of us have ever been good enough. God wants to gift you with faith and with redemption this morning. And if you've been struggling with some of the questions that I, that I raised uh, uh, earlier, and you're ready to ask God now, uh, I'd ask you to come up and let us pray with you. Um, uh, please don't forget to pick up uh, your kids, and may the rest of your week be blessed.